Money FM 89.3, best of weekends. And when we look around the region, we look around the world, there are many, many challenges that we face as business leaders, business owners, and even employees of big businesses. And one organization that has consistently year in and year out put together a very comprehensive report of hotspots around the world is... Uh, control risks. And joining us now, Angela Mancini, partner and head of Asia Pacific Markets for Controlled Risks and their 2021 uh, risk map around the world. Angela, good morning. Welcome back to the show. Good morning, Glenn. Great. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's always great to see you, Angela. And I know you always tune in uh, whether or not you're on the show. You're you're with us nearly every weekend uh, at some part of the weekend. So do appreciate it. I do. I love yeah, love the show. Always have great guests. Oh, wow, thank you. You've just been reinvited back on. There you go. That's all it took. <laughs> <laughs> but Angela, on a serious note, the the risk map that Control Risks puts out every year is is widely considered one of the industry leaders in terms of helping businesses and even governments uh, try to figure out what's going to go on in the year ahead. What what kind of top line are we seeing out of the report for 2021? Yeah, you're exactly right. So what we do, we, we produce this every year and we have for many years, and this is definitely not in-depth prediction of what we think might happen, but rather a way to think about, especially for CEOs and business leaders, the lenses through which we need to look through the year ahead and see what are the thematic risks that are coming mm. and how to prepare for them. So there's there's five, I'll run through them really briefly, and then we can get into um, them in more detail as you as you sure. wish. But there's n- number one, long COVID. So in addition to obviously long COVID in the body, <laughs> there's going to be, you know, the COVID kind of hangover as it will, mm-hmm. as, as you as you think about it for societies, for business, for governments, kind of how do we pull out of that? And what does that look like? Because it's going to have long term impacts. There's, of course, number two, the US China relationship. We've, of course, got you know, President Biden in the White House, and things are improving there from a tone perspective. But you know, the Issues are pretty intractable, so that's going to be uh, continue to be a challenge. Third is how do we handle greener um, energy policies? Mm. What does that mean for business? You know, we saw um, you know in virtual Davos quite recently, uh, Chinese President Xi Jinping came out. You know, also very pro climate change. So those are issues. And then you know, digital acceleration is number four. This was happening even before COVID, but we've had a lot of clients say. Digital acceleration we expected would take us five years has taken us six months, but there's a host of cybersecurity and other related issues with that. And then finally, on an optimistic note, don't miss the rebound, right? Companies have been hunkered down now for almost a year dealing with COVID and restructuring and budgets and trim, you know, tucking and trimming uh, expenses, but there's a huge rebound about to be underway in our view. And so how do you not miss that? But then how do you also make sure you're you're um, geared up as the the deals and the acquisitions come back that you've got the right risk measures in place for cybersecurity and integrity and resilience and the rest. Angela, so it's going to be an interesting year ahead. Mm, mm, thank you. Uh, yeah, thanks for, for sort of putting that all together. Uh, we're speaking with Angela Mancini, the partner and head of Asia Pacific for Controlled Risk. And uh, Angela, let's start with the last of the rebound because uh, I find that one's interesting from the perspective of uh, many countries are now – in their vaccination cycle, if you will, but but most have a long way to go. In, in Singapore here, for example, most of us will not be vaccinated until at least the end of Q3, probably Q4 this year. So how how soon, and it, it's very similar for other countries. In fact, many countries are even further behind that. Um, the U.S. not till uh, the end of the year for sure, uh, for example. 
How do we how do we plan or think about a rebound in 2021, if that's what your report is suggesting, when we still have such a long way to go to get people even to be physically connected again uh, because of being safe via the fax- vaccination? Yeah, I think that's right. And I think in many cases, it comes down to the sector you're operating in and the business model that you're using. I mean, it's been fascinating. So we know that if you're in a traditional sector, let's say a big project sites, you need a lot of people on site if that's construction, if that's extractives, you know, obviously travel, mm. um, aviation, things that involve movement, tourism, those are going to be harder hit, of course, and, and harder to come back. Although we've seen some really creative um, moves in, you know, in the tourism sector, for example. Um, but if you look at kind of everyone else, so if you look at companies, let's say it's financial services or FMCG or, you know, uh, companies that have back office operations, but they're office based, maybe not project based. There's been some really creative ways people are handling uh, COVID as well. So everyone now is quite you know comfortable working from home. We thought in the beginning with our financial services and private equity clients, they're never going to be able to do remote due diligence. They said that out of the gate, we can never do acquisitions or new investments unless we get on the ground and see what we're buying. That's changed. We actually have seen some quite big name private equity firms figure out a way to do remote due diligence and hmm. keep those wheels of commerce moving. So I think in short, what I'd say is um, it's not easy for sure, but I think many business leaders, at least ones that we talked to, were saying, you know, we know this isn't going to go, quote, back to normal for quite a long time. And we still want to make uh, some money and, and grow the business. So what's that going to look like? And how do we kind of work around that and, and still be making money, particularly in certain sectors. Does that lead into your first point about the, the long tail of COVID as well? Because it seems like those two yeah, points da, might yeah. sort of be dichotomous, right? Yeah, well, it's, it's true. So yes, I think the challenge here is, you know, we do expect long COVID, not just again, um, literally, but also the impacts to politics and business and society. But again, we do expect a rebound, especially in, in areas like Asia, um, you know, with respect to long COVID, I think the challenges there are, there's a couple, you know, again, thinking from a business leader's perspective, which is which is where the risk map is geared towards, you think about, okay, are you working in markets where when the subsidies that the government's been so generous with kind of across the globe, as those subsidies, we get weaned off them, what's left? What is the business opportunity there? And how do you think about that? How do you handle, of course, the workforce and the kind of the working from home mm-hmm. and travel and whatnot? But how do you handle if you're working, let's say, in a market where the government now wants to uh, promote national champions? Or how do you handle if you're in a sector that's um, heavily reliant on movement of labor? Or, or how do you think about it if you're a government in a market that's heavily reliant on remittances and what's that mm. going to look like. Um, so it's more a matter of what's that relationship going to be for businesses and government as kind of the, you know, the, the, as COVID recedes over time, you know, are we going to see government be more nationalistic towards business? Are we going to see more nationalistic policies governments again, globally have to do because um, they're, you know, facing job losses for their citizens and how's that all going to play out for the business sector? Mm, the the elephant in the room, or maybe it's the elephant in the region, uh, has for years been the U.S. and China relationship. Biden has already signaled that they're not going to be afraid to talk about human rights uh, this past week and and other issues. And I'm sure the trade uh, friction will continue and IP protection and all of those issues from before. What is your what is your report uh, predicting or saying or indicating about 
where the relationship's going to go and the impact that that might have on the rest of us watching it? Yeah, well, from a broad perspective, it's similar to what we've heard others say in the press for some time, which is, of course, the tone out of Washington will improve, but the substance is not really going to change all that much. The fact that the, you know, the, the, the China is a challenge for the U.S. is probably the only bipartisan uh, issue in the U.S. right now. Everyone agrees on that. Um, some of the interesting angles, though, that we've unpicked for, again, the broader business community are a couple. Number one, when does China respond in a harsher way, right? Mm-hmm. So when does China bite back? With the Trump administration, we saw for everything that the Trump administration erratically threw at China, China was quite measured in its response. But it's, it's you know, will that continue with the Biden administration and what would that look like? Also, you know, can we, as the Biden administration wants to, cooperate where we can compete where we must? And what would that cooperation look like? So one area we're optimistic on is climate change. So Xi Jinping, as you know, in the virtual Davos a week or so ago, made a speech about, you know, we need to focus on climate change and multilateralism. So that is one optimistic area we see. Not quite sure how we can really um, work work with the rest of those issues. But again, from a business perspective, what's fascinating is we're having clients say to us, listen, we used to source from China. Now we're selling into China in a huge way. It's a China for China strategy for a lot of Western multinationals. And they need that market. It's one of the only good post-COVID recovery markets So what does that mean, especially if you're starting to have Chinese companies say, sorry, but we can't work with you because we're being pressured to try to go local ourselves. Mm. And what does that look like for Western multinationals who, let's say they're in JVs with Chinese companies. But if the, uh, you know, if the regulations changing out of the states of who you can work with or what does that look like? We mentioned before data. Right. So, um, you know, if you're in a sector, if you're a Western company working in China in a sector that's heavily involved in data, are the rules going to change on you coming out of the West? What's the sanctions going to look like? You know, things they've dealt with before. But as we move into this next um, this next phase with a Biden presidency, some of these things are going to get really complicated, particularly if there starts to be pressure from the Chinese side to wind things back as well. It's interesting you say that because that was exactly the thought that came to my mind. You know, same, same, only different, right? These are the same issues we've been talking about for years. But there, there are levels and layers of complexity that seem to have been added, in, at least in my perception, over the – let's call it the last two years or three years. Uh, the last year, of course, being the biggest layer of complexity uh, to dealing with this relationship, with the, the, the Chinese relationship. And when when you are talking to clients, how – the average person listening to this now might be like, yeah, how do we even get our head around it? How do we even start to think about what our strategy should be going forward? Especially as you say, the Chinese are now sort of retrenching as well and looking more inward and, and, and dealing with their own supply issues versus thinking specifically of only export issues. How, how, do, you, how do you counsel people to, to take all this in and to try to figure out a strategy going forward? Aside from the fact, yeah, aside from hiring you to help them do that. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, it's not easy. I think what's important to realize is, um, and, and you, you know this well, obviously, because you're very well versed on the issues. There's so much information and yeah. there's so much noise around that relationship, number one. So what we're, what we're always advise clients is, you know, focus very specifically on your sector, your business, your, literally your um, foot, your geographical footprint in the country, because it may be very different than somebody else's. You only really care about what's impacting you. 
And so we do what we call future proofing for clients where we're saying, okay, what you're doing there, what you're wanting to achieve in five years, are you trying to expand? Are you not? Are you doing a lot of JVs? Are you not? Mm, mm. You know, what matters there for you? And so working out very clearly, what are the legal and regulatory potential risks for you? You know, we're not lawyers focus more on the regulatory space, of course, but, you know, working through scenarios. So what what yeah. is most likely to happen, best case, worst case. And again, really then, you know, identifying those trigger points for those particular companies. So as things happen in the news, they may be loud uh, issues they may not impact those clients at all, or is something happening that's maybe not getting a lot of press that's really going to hurt them and kind of trying to, trying to lay that out. And so that's quite much easier to mitigate kind of what might be coming at you. Mm. Angela, in our remaining time, let's, let's talk about a couple of positives, a couple of bright spots, which would be the potential uh, there in the green energy sector and also the digital acceleration that's been happening. These are two massive opportunities for companies who are either in those spaces or have a way to leverage those spaces. What's the report telling us about those? So those, again, you're right. They're you're hitting the nail on the head. They're very optimistic areas. I think green energy, of course, if you're in a sector that's reliant on traditional energy and you're not changing, you're going to be facing a lot of challenges. But most companies from oil and gas to auto to you name it actually are changing a bit, you know, big opportunities there and look for subsidies from governments, look for multilateral initiatives, look for really interesting, innovative technologies to draw on public private sector partnerships, startups to draw on and the like. So that's, I think, a quite interesting area. And then digital acceleration, again, the same, there are so many new technologies to use. Mm -hmm. I think the great thing with COVID, there's not many great things, but one of them is we're all on Zoom. You know, imagine doing board meetings on Zoom 18 months ago was unheard of. Now we're doing right. it regularly. We just did a huge, you know, global event uh, for our clients, you know, 24-7 around the globe, uh, digitally worked out great. So that's an opportunity. I think if, again, if you can just make sure that you're okay on the cybersecurity risks, yeah. witness solar winds and the mm-hmm. rest of it, mm-hmm. um, and just making sure that you, you know, have all that infrastructure in place. But I think the opportunities are, are immense. Yeah. Angela, if, if folks want to have a look at the uh, at the report, how, how do they uh, can they access it on, online? Yeah, absolutely. Just go to controlrisk.com backslash backslash risk map 21 or just go straight to the homepage. It's right there. And um, it's a good short overview. And um, we've got some even speaking of digital accelerations, great short video snippets for folks to listen to as well. So very happy to share. Fantastic. Angela Mancini, partner and head of Asia Pacific Markets at Controlled Risk, talking about the annual risk report and so much information in there uh, that uh, I think every business leader really can take something out of it. Thanks for being with us today, uh, Angela. Really appreciate it. Great. Thanks. Have a great day, Glenn. Thanks. Thanks. And you. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.